about to enter the Double Dragon Podcast with Shane Greenwood, owner of Double Dragon Gym in the Sutherland Shire, Trent Lawrence, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and active pro Muay Thai fighter, Hugh O'Donnell. Are you ready? Fight! Fight! Welcome back to Enter the Double Dragon Podcast, episode 51, coming right at you. It's your boy Shane Greenwood, as always, and um, with me via the internet is uh, Trenton Lawrence. Hello. And Hugh O'Donnell. Hi. Hi. How are we all today, fellas? Very good. Yeah. Hanging in there. Hanging. That's <laughs> what it's like. Hello. It's like the poster with the cat on it, and you're just hanging in there. Yeah. yeah. Just by, barely by a friend. I did. I did three rounds sparring before I came here. I'm tired now. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you got, yeah. Did you get pretzeled up? Yeah. Uh, I did. I think I did most of the pretzeling this time, though. Well, that's good, then. That's, that's an, that's a good have, there's nothing to complain about. <laughs> no, I'm just tired. <laughs> Screw you, blue lips. <laughs> <laughs> so you just don't yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, we're just going to start off with a few recaps of fights that um, happened over the weekend. So, um, one of them that was went down was a UFC London event. Uh, let me check it out here. So, it's a UFC on SPN Plus 5, Till versus Mascavale. Um, we're just going to cover, like, the top three fights from there. I don't think I really caught much else. Except for, like, um, I just saw yeah, Mark Degessi win against Joe Duffy from there. And, like, he was pretty emotional afterwards about it. Which is, I guess it was like you have to be because like he was on a free fight losing strength and like you know if you lost this one I'm probably what do you reckon safe to say he would have been cut from this yeah he was fine for his job yeah close to him but from I, I didn't actually see this fight but I heard it was a pretty pretty dominant uh, decision by him by Mike Dacassi from there um, just really worked his wrestling game and just like just fucking just powerhouse striking almost on like on a Yo Romero type, you know, just all sorts of spinning shit and just athletic wonder, wonders <laughs> to there. Um, but yeah, well, good on him. He's like, you know, he, he gets to keep his job <laughs> for now. And hopefully, yeah. and hopefully, like, you know, he just rises up the ranks a bit more and, like, just keeps learning learning the skills. Do you know that Jacanty still trained with Liam Harrison? Does he? I don't know if he still does. He definitely did for a bit. Damn. Like, um, yeah. I guess it's suit him. It's like a power kind of style. Mm. It's like, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, damn, I didn't really think he trained with Liam Harrison. Just how how he looks and he's striking sometimes. So he's getting a bit better though each time. But yeah, hopefully he's still training with him, getting those skills up. Yeah, yeah, suits him definitely. All right, so let's talk about some of these other fights that happened. So like we had the uh, light heavyweight bout, uh, Dominic Reyes. Versus Vulcan Ostomir. Um, this ended up going all f- three rounds. And I think, um, did anyone did anyone pick Reyes this one? Or did we all pick Reyes? Or I can't even remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I think we all picked him, maybe. Yeah. That might be yeah. right. Yeah. I picked him, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this one was pretty good. Like, you know, when, who was I listening to? I think it was Jack Slack. He was just saying, like, you know, this was the, the most non- light heavyweight fight ever in the light heavyweight division where actually like they actually had some skill 
You know, they actually go to Detroit <laughs> Temple, like, yeah, tapping around to actually power shots from there. And, like, surprising enough, like, both of these guys are, like, you know, first-round finishes in most of their fights, but they end up going all three rounds with each other from that. Um, it looked to be, like, a like a pretty good match in terms of really, like, you know, the techniques they were throwing. It was, it was majority, like, a striking match with a takedown here and there. And, that, and I was actually surprised that Vulcan Ozdemy actually survived the whole three rounds, like, not too bad, really. Um, did you guys catch this fight at all? No, I saw the top two on this one. Top two, yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I watched most of this fight, and like you know, I expected you know ultimately like after his Anthony Smith performance, like you know, he goes out guns blazing, and if he can't get the guy away, then he just he's just dead for the rest of the time. You know, until eventually he just pretty much submits from exhaustion. But um, but, yeah. but really, like this fight, it was really good. Like um, it, it was it's just a really good back and forth battle, and like same thing with Dominic Reyes as well. Like you know, he, the, I think one of the first times he ever went to the decision was like I think in his last fight against uh, OSP, who he dropped a few times in that fight. But anyone who fights OSP is like you know, it's always just going to be ugly and awkward, and it's hard to get a finish. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was just a good like showing for the heavyweight division's future in terms of these guys were like you know they actually picked up some good skills and like and able to finish the three rounds at a decent clip. It ended up being a split decision win for Dominic Reyes, which is good because, you know, like he seems to be an up and coming from there. I think he probably still needs another fight or so before he even thinks about John Jones, but knowing, knowing like how the division is at the moment, we'd be surprised if they just chucked him in, you know, pretty much straight into the next title shot even. Yeah, especially since Jones has decided that he wants to be active. Mm. <laughs> like, sort of wants to keep pumping out fights, but there isn't interesting fights for him to have. Yeah, definitely. Like they're doing like Corey Smith, and now they're talking about Thiago Santos, and it's like, okay, but why? <laughs> why? Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, Who let's, cares? Let's, 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 just, let's just decimate the talent before they even had a chance to develop. <laughs> like, yeah, if he wants to just keep fighting, he'll probably come out of these fights uninjured. He'll just turn away till he's fighting the number 15 guy. That's it. We're John Jones from my liking for that. Just move up the heavyweight. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Definitely. Like, um, You're the champion there twice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. <laughs> but um, it's just good to see, like, because, like, when you watch fights, you know, you can't gather anything from someone. Like, you know, Johnny Walker, like, I don't know what he's about because he's, his fights are too short. I can't get – I can't gleam on, like, if he's actually good or not. He's yeah. Like, He's, he's, obviously, he's got a good eye for a finish, and like he's just super fucking athletic. But like you know, that's the same thing as like Dominic Reyes and Vulcan Ozdemir. And this this is why it's good that it went the whole fight three rounds because you got to actually see like, look, these guys actually got some skills, and they can probably take their career pretty far. Mm. Which is what what the light heavyweight mm. division needs. It's still jank though, but hey, whatever. Real jank for sure. Still jank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into the next one now. So um, the co-main event. So you got the homeboy. Um, Leon Edwards versus Gunnar Nelson in the 170 uh, pound division and yeah this was a free round fight this, like it's just getting to the point where sometimes like especially these kind of fights when they mean something in the division they should be like five rounders really yeah I'd like to see like some five round co-main events but yeah. I think people's attention spans are too short like this one in particular I reckon yeah. this would have been very interesting under five rounds though yeah it would have been a cool five rounder yeah so what did you guys think of this fight as a whole. Surprising. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think um I think Leon Edwards has been underrated after watching that. 
look, he, he's like he's, I, think. I think like you know he spent a while like where he came in like more so like you know as a dynamic striker, and then he and then he just really honed in his wrestling skills, and then like you know probably like you know made him a bit boring. But he was very good at top control, as we saw in like like surprisingly this change is against someone like Gunnar Nelson from there. He did control him a fair bit. And yeah, that yeah. kind of scramble I found to be sort of like, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Gunnar was surprised too. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I was kind of shocked at how good Edwards' um, takedown defense and his takedowns actually were. Yeah. He was like hitting them pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, one, there's, you know. um, there's one point though that yeah, Leon Edwards did get taken down and then he got stuck in top now for yeah. a bit. But like he, he did he did the smart thing I guess like from there or I guess like semi smart like he he wasn't working to get out of the top now. I think he he saw the clock. And he just goes, I'm just going to hold on yeah. to Gunnar Nelson here and just write the clock out. <laughs> yeah, he just wrote that one out. Nelson wasn't doing a whole heap. When he got that full amount, he sort of he sort of looked like he was working, but he really wasn't moving into any other sort of super advantageous position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It didn't look like he was working that hard. Nah, definitely not. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, yeah. it, it didn't like he was like um, in a rush to kind of like, you know, get something yeah. out of it. Yeah. 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 Um, but, like, surprising, like, what I took away from this fight as well is, like, you know, just the underutilization of, like, you know, basically striking in the clinch from there. Mm. Like, you know, like that, those elbows, like, you know, so he was he was setting up the elbows off that clinch all the time. And, like, you know, then that's what he caught, basically. We got him now, so he dropped him, dropped him like a motherfucker. And, like, and it looked like yeah. he, he really, like, he would have damaged his orbital bone in that fight. Yeah, that orbital was smashed. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, um... um I just... I'm just reading that um, Leon Edwards has been undefeated, undefeated since 2016, unless you count the loss backstage with Masvidal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later, but like, yeah, that was that was super interesting as well. <laughs> but like, yeah, that was weird. Oh, yeah, that was anyway. weird. But like, yeah, we'll get that out when we talk about Masvidal. But but like, yeah, no, no, the clinch strike and the elbow, like the elbow awareness from Liam Edwards is really good. Um, yeah, big to sweet elbow on the break. Mm. And I don't know who did, who does he work with? Like I, I don't I don't even really looked up like who's like who's his team and things like that. He's working with at the moment from there. Yeah. I heard them talking about it on the broadcast. It's a UK team. Yeah. Um, the name slip on mine now. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know exactly who's working to strike with him, but his like kind of sensitivity for the elbows was really nice. Yeah, controlling yeah. the hands and stripping over, and then like. He had it picked really well because Gunner does kind of just like wade in and out of clinching exchanges. Like he kind of just has that weird bladed karate stance and just sort of slides himself into clinches to engage because he sort of likes to be in a scramble. Hmm. And then like if he comes in and there's nothing doing, he'll kind of just like lazily bounce out of it. So it was just like picking those moments where Gunner just sort of decides to disengage. Like he's like, oh, I'm not interested anymore. I'm just going to push my way back out to the outside. Yeah. Hop around again. Mm. It would just pick the elbow on the way through. Yeah, I heard the commentator saying he was unique in that he was sort of more focused on karate style stand up and jiu jitsu rather than what they referred to as sort of um, a more traditional Muay Thai wrestling sort of base. Yeah, that but, kind uh, of generic mix these days. Yeah, the generic, the generic, the generic mix. Yeah, <laughs> but like he definitely, he definitely had that that. Um, Bladed stance, that weird. I don't know if that, I don't know. What do you reckon? Is that a, is that a is that a big advantage? That bladed stance with his style. Mm, I don't know. Like if he was like going to use like if he had like the dexterity like a like a Wonder Boy, 
yeah like you know be yeah. really active off that front leg you know like you step up side kicks and that and like you know um and also like you know faking the jab into the side kicks so like if if you ever want to see like good like things on this like like Jack Slack again, he he's done two things where it's called like the the the, the filthy casuals guide to watching fights. So he did one on Gunnar Nelson, yeah. and he just recently did one on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as well. And it does talk a lot about the cyber sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah, it's like it just talks about that cyber sense, and also like you know just bouncing on the balls. You feel that kind of karate point point karate kind of style. And like Gunnar Nelson's one, like you know how he moves around and like you know very bouncing around. It just doesn't last over the long run because it's it's just a lot of work to do without doing much. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the later rounds, though, like, Gunnar Nelson was doing a bit, and he was doing this, like, very, like, you know, just that just that kind of, like, dart punch. He, he was catching Leon Edwards. Like, Leon Edwards was walking himself to the fence. Gunnar Nelson bounced in the back of the toes and then basically just that do that really straight dart punch in and then enter into the clinch. He was finding a lot of success of that in the third round, though, I found. But, like, no, I don't know. That's why I thought it'd be really, like, interesting because, like, you know, if it's a five-round fight, then you could probably, like, Gunnar Nelson to get bashed up a fair bit, but the tie could turn again. From there, yeah. Which is like, yeah, which is always a good narrative for a fight, you know, just because you're just getting smashed in the first couple of rounds. If you've got a five-round fight, doesn't mean you can't reclaim it back again if the other guy just mm. basically just gets tired. <laughs> but, but yeah, try and, uh, if anyone wants to see a little bit more of that, do look up YouTube, like Jack Slapp's, uh, yeah, Filthy Casuals Guide <laughs> on, on Jordan Nelson and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So, this fight in the end ended up being a split decision to Leon Edwards. What did you reckon, guys reckon about that? Were you, did you think a split was fair, or did you guys see it a little bit more clearer? I didn't even I know think, it was a split, um, actually. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think kind of left it a little bit too late. Yeah. I mean, he ended up on top and mount, but he sort of like, it felt like it was just riding out that last minute or so, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was working enough. Yeah, yeah he didn't do a whole lot with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one thing to get that advantageous position, but you got, you got to do something with it. Yeah. Um, and it didn't feel like that was happening. But I was watching it, going, "Oh, here we go, here we go. He might finish him. Oh, this will be interesting." But I just sort of sat that minute out, and I was sort of waiting for him to do something drastic, and it just didn't happen. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's been a, like Gunner's problem for little things from there. It's like probably just the waiting game too much on stuff, like maybe playing. Yeah. But, he's fairly content to hang back. Mm. Like I, I guess, like he's always <laughs> looking for the counters, really. Like you know, it's, yeah. it's like that Machida kind of style. Like you know, like, it's like I'll just keep back here until you step in and then reverse punch, <laughs> straight yeah. in the middle, which he's caught a few people with. Yeah. Surprisingly, he's dropped a, a couple of people, John and Nelson. Mm. But um, but yeah, that was a good fight, and like you know, Leon Edwards like. Up and coming, really exciting division that one. Like you know, he definitely has to make sure his wrestling's on point if he's going to go to that top end of that division. There, you know, the champion is Usman. You got Kobe Covington. You got Woodley from there, and then now you got the guys that fought in the main event as well. So you had Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal from there, and man, yeah. I was I I didn't pick this. I was totally wrong about this fight. Completely wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. Said, Bad player, Masvidal. He took it to the Scouser. <laughs> he definitely took it to the Scouser. This was great. Yeah. This, this was this was like, yeah. Like, when you kind of see it going in, like, Darren Till's kind of style, which is like, it's it's also a kind of counter game. Like, you know, he's just always yeah. looking to set up his straight left. Because he's just, because like, really, like, he's a, he's a weight bully. He cuts so much weight. He's just so much bigger on the night. 
on uh, in the guys in the cage when it comes to fight time. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but does that play into his chin though? You know. I think we're starting to see his chin fade as a result of cutting the weight, but also like. I guess he's gotten bigger over the course of like his last few years of his career, so it's probably starting to get too much now. Mm. Yeah, he, like I think the biggest we ever saw him was against Cowboy, that time that he missed weight. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He looked a little trimmer in this fight. I thought like it kind of looked like he was really trying to come up with something to make the weight not as much of an issue, but like still just dwarfed Jorge Masvidal. So, yeah, fucking know if he did that. But it was just good, like, you know, Masvidal, like, um, he just brought it to him. Like, he, he's, he kind of, like, it's like it's like what he's, he was kind of catching. Like, what he saw from there was, what was kind of landing was, it was like an, an overhand left punch. But it was, like, yeah. it was in a shifting kind of phase as well. So, like, he was start off orthodox and then kind of, like, you know, just patted with the punches but stepped through and shift. So it wasn't quite like a, a lead hook. It just turned into, like, a basically a southpaw overhand. Yeah. Which is like, if we look at those kind of fighting exchanges, really from orthodox to southpaw, which is an open guard exchange from there, from that one, whereas like, you know, one's right-handed, one's left-handed. South, uh, Till being the left-handed person, Musk as well being the right-handed person from there. Yeah. Like, usually the first punch you're going to throw, like the jab's not as readily available, but the rear punch kind of falls through. But it's the third, like the hidden punch afterwards, which catch you, which is usually the hook. Like, you know, mm. a hook against a southpaw is fucking gold from that. Because, like, really, it's just, like, it's sometimes obstructed by your lead hand and shoulder. We don't see it. And, like, the way that Till was trying to defend is, like, basically using, like, the long guard, trying to use, like, you know, push off the shoulder and the head and trying to circle it. Or, like, you know, try and circle out it either one way. Usually, I think he's, he was trying to circle out away from the right hand a lot of times from there. Um, he just kind of set back and, like, he kind of, you saw him see it at the last second, but it was just too late. It was already kind yeah. of sailing over his shoulder and just copped it sweet on that one. So it, that was like, uh, it was a really good sight from Maskevel to kind of change it up from there. Because, like, you know, um, Maskevel kept the streak alive of him getting flash knocked down in every first round in these fights. Yeah, he's got a cop one. <laughs> and he, he fucking copped it pretty good, though. It was, it was a pretty flush shot. Like, it was, it was, the, it was the till left hand again. Um, that left hand was nice. Yeah, it was. Like, it, Till's got that funny style, doesn't he? Like, um, yeah, kind of like you know, he kind of bounces in, but like he uses like uses the lead hand to kind of fake it, but he never uses it. Like you know, you know, yeah. you know what he's going to throw. It's it's just to set up the left. So, and he has a kind of style which like it looks like he's looking to counter you, but he's never he never going to counter you for that. No, yeah, he kind of like when right in with something so much, but never actually use it. Mm. Your threat becomes so easy to read because, like, is a feint works so much more effectively if you're hitting with the technique you're feinting here and there, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like what um Masvidal ended up catching him with. Is like he was working really nicely. Up. I think like the first combination that Masvidal stung Till with was like a overhand from the rear side to lead, and then he whipped the um it would have been his left hook around the guard. Yeah. It was like, and then it was from there that like, then he's kind of had that like that rolling overhand, plus that the kind of look of he was threatening with the single, but I don't think the single leg ever looked like super committed. He was just threatening with it here and there. Yeah, it looked like he was just like, picking it up and then dropping at the punch a lot of times. Yeah, and then I think like he really sort of set that lead side 
behind him in the end. It was just kind of like, instead of rolling over, it was just like, because like, like you said, it was actually the hook that was landing. So you kind of found that it was that side that it rolled from. So it was just like, just plant it behind, make it the power side, wind it up and then throw that one over and then just mm-hmm. yeah. flush out. Yeah, it was flush. And then just finished it on the ground after that. But man, like I said, it was just, it was so surprising. It was good surprising though. I was like, damn. It's like, it was like Muscovel's arrived finally after all this time. <laughs> I thought he, he just made like, like you look at a fight where a guy makes being the smaller guy his advantage. I thought that's what that was. Mm. Like he made fluidity a factor. Yeah. It's like, um, it's, it's good that he kind of just like, he saw it and just kind of, yeah, just basically rolled with the punches <laughs> until he found his yeah. mark. And, Interesting enough now, like you like, are we going to see Muscovel versus Edwards next? Especially after that sure. little that little back back uh, backstage exchange <laughs> we saw there. What, what was he doing? Like he was, it was just like wasn't he like halfway through an interview and then he just goes, "Oh, there's Lane Edwards," and then he just rolls up to him like hands behind his back, and then just starts just unloading a punch on Edwards straight off the bat. Yeah, I yeah. think it was like he was doing the interview and then Edwards was like off to the side and started talking a little bit of shit so Masvidal was saying say it to my face. Mm. And then Masvidal, yeah, just kind of just like strolls right over with his hands behind his back. And then he said that he approached with his hands behind his back to say that he wasn't going to throw any punches. But then Edwards kind of put his dukes up so then like Masvidal just started wailing on him. <laughs> yeah. How how interesting a fight that would be. That'd be nice. That'd be a nice fight. That'd be a really good fight. It'd be, it's a very interesting style contrast from there. I don't, I don't know who I'm picking. I'd probably still lean towards Edwards in that fight. I think I'd lean towards Edwards. But, like, now I'm looking at Edwards, like, I am always impressed when I watch him fight, but then I don't pick him. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's time for me to pick Edwards now. <laughs> like, do I pick I him? enough to me. That's it. Just gotta do I stick to my guns and you know <laughs> do what I need to do. But yeah. But um overall, yeah, so like Jorge uh, Mascavel won in the second round of the it was fight by pretty much KO and that's a, it was a really good showing from him. And that's like a, the the UFC young London card. Surprisingly for a London card, it was good. Some good fights. Decent, yeah. Yeah. They, usually like the like when they go like, you know, especially like, you know, Fight Night or ES Pen Plus kind of card somewhere, they just go, eh. Whatever, just give him, give him the dregs. It's fine. We'll just get him over the line. <laughs> but this, but this is like car from here, damn. Like you know, it's one of those ones. Almost if you're kind of in the area, like uh, yeah, I'll probably buy tickets for that and watch it. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right, so let's do a little bit more recap. Let's head over to a little bit more grappling, jiu-jitsu from there. Um, so Polaris, like speaking of English events, so like Polaris, which is a UK event, was on, wasn't it, Trent? Yeah, that was at the A2 Arena in uh, London the night before they had the UFC there mm-hmm. in the same spot. So it was a pretty big weekend for for martial arts in London. Would have been a good double header to go to. Yeah, um, um, you guys yeah. just got a like a surprisingly very strong grappling scene. It does, and Europe in general is, is sort of coming up now. It was pretty. It was a pretty international event. You had people from from Wales and Ireland and. Uh, Sweden and Norway and Brazil and the United States. So um, it was a good mixed bag. They're, they're good at making matches, Polaris. So they've mm. got a good reputation for it now. Um, even the undercard had really entertaining fights. Yeah, nice. So, um, you know, there's a few decisions, but, you know, a few, few submissions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what matches caught, caught your eye? 
So I, I only watched one of the prelim fights. It was uh, Tommy uh, uh, Langaker versus Sebastian Broch. So um, so uh, Langaker, he's uh, yeah, he's pretty well known now. He's taking out the Europeans titles um, recently, and uh, Sebastian Broch, he's a pretty well established black belt over there in Europe, and he runs um, the website. Um, BJJ for yoga, or yoga for BJJ, I should say. Mm-hmm. So he's got a big following through that. I know a few guys who um, use that service of his, and they reckon it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, he was just, I guess, I guess, uh, Lanka just sort of, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say outclassed him, but he was just too, he was just too fast for him. Mm-hmm. He, he kept moving from position to position, like crab rides, brown bolos, uh, you know, little baby bolos. All that sort of modern day jujitsu stuff, but uh, you know, all the stuff that um, Keenan Cornelius says doesn't work. Um, <laughs> he was getting it to work pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, Broch is he's experienced, but um, he, he just couldn't keep it with the pace. Um, he had some good escapes, some good scrambles. Uh, I, I noticed one bit. He sort of had a um, spider guard on on Tommy. And Tommy had a pretty unique way of breaking the grips. He jumped on him with both feet and just ripped his arms out. So I can't imagine that would have felt good on his fingers. Because it was, it was a, I should say it was a gi match. Yeah. So, yeah, they like to mix it up with Polaris, have a bit of gi and no gi. But, um, yeah, he sort of jumped on him. And I thought, well, is the ref going to say anything? And no, oh, okay, guess it's legit. Cool. That's um, one way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so at, at, uh, at the end, Tommy got to his got to his back. I couldn't really see it; it was kind of obscured. Um, the camera couldn't really see the submission, but it was he got his neck. I'm guessing it was a it was a collar choke from behind, uh, and he just held it until he got the tap. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was pretty entertaining, especially for uh, something on the prelims. Mm. Um, the main card. First, the first event on the main card was um, Eduardo Rios versus uh, Santeri uh, Lilius, but uh, yeah, that was a bit. It was a, it was another game match, but it was a bit boring that one. Uh, uh, he tried to he tried to make it sort of Eduardo tried to make it sort of exciting and a bit more uh, fast paced, but um, Santeri was just he was much bigger and he sort of shut down Rios's game a fair bit. That top, you know, that top pressure style. Um, he just, yeah, he just, I don't know, cut down his game. So it wasn't that fast paced. So it ended uh, ended by a decision that one. Um, yeah. So the judges gave that to him. Uh, the next one was interesting. It was uh, Michael Perez from uh, Ados. Um, he went up against um, Dara. Oh man, it's Irish name. Canal. <laughs> A canal? No. Darago Canal. Um, you sound like you're that drunk. was a no game match. What's that? You sound like you're drunk. That's like, that's Irish. Yeah, oh, canal. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nice and racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, that, that was a good one to watch. It ended by decision, but it was still a little entertaining. Uh, like, Darag, he just he kept his head all through it, um, even though Perez was really offensive the whole time he sort of kept his composure so he like um you know he got past with his back taken um he had a super tight anaconda choke on him and he transitioned to an army and guillotine 
then he went from that to a dash choke that nearly finished Darug, but he just he just held on. Uh, I was impressed with his defence, but yeah, they gave the decision to um, Perez just because he was uh, more dominant and more offensive. Hmm. Um, the next one was uh, Ethan Krellinston. Um He went up against Tom Halpin. Um, that was a good match. He's one of the uh, Ethan's one of the Danaher Death Squad members, and he took out the uh, North American trials for ADCC. So he's got an invite to the big event this year. Um, and he and he displayed all of that. He was hitting uh, leg lock attacks, and it was working. Um, I, I, sh- I should say that was working, um, but uh, Halpin was just sort of defending it and escaping it. And then he, he switched switched it up, and then he started going to the back, and that's when he got to open things up. Um, once he got there, he, he sort of dominated. He's I think he's under um, Coach um, uh, TriStar as well. Mm. He's a Canadian guy. He's Canadian under guy. TriStar. So, yeah, Coach Farias. He, he was there for a couple of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you could see that game. You know the leg attack, uh, the leg attacks, and you know they sort of uh, straight jacket down here style system as well on the back. Um, but he tra- he transitioned the back attack into an armbar, so that was pretty cool. Mm. Um, but he opened it up by just attacking constantly, attacking his his neck. Well, when he was on the back, he was just going side to t- side, attacking Helpin's neck, and then he opened it up for an armbar. So that was pretty cool. Mm. Um, but yeah. That went for ages, um, about eight minutes, I think. It was just, you know, attacking his neck from behind. <laughs> That's a long um, time, <laughs> the protective neck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just like, yeah. Yeah, they said, uh, yeah, he just, he, he, he adapted pretty well. Um, Cranston just, he, he just adapts to scenarios and transition. So I guess that's why he's rising up the ranks as one of the, I reckon he'll probably be, have a breakthrough at ADCC. Yeah, he'll, a bit like um, Craig James did, I reckon he'll break through and he'll get uh, that sort of level of recognition after this year. Oh. We'll have to wait and see. Um, so then there was, after that, there was the uh, the men's number one contender match. That was Wagner Holsha. Holsha. Um, Holsha. He went against Ross Nichols. Um, he, it was a no-gi one. He beat him uh, by decision. Um, that was a real – there's a real difference in grappling styles there. Um, they're at welterweight, uh, but Wagner, he has that, that really top-heavy passing style, like, you know, the kind of style where uh, that's – I guess it's, it's, it's suited really well to MMA, his style, which is why he was he – was, he, I think he had four UFC fights. Hmm. But that top grinding style, you know, he's getting the top of his head and grinding it into the face and under the chin, trying to flatten them out. Knee sliding through. Um, Nichols, um, he has a really good um, butterfly guard game, and he uses um, Z guard a lot too. So um, he had really good guard retention. Um, yeah, but at the end, um, I think the judges just thought Rocha was a bit more intimidating. So that's pro- I think that's why he got the win in the end. Okay. Um, yeah. I think oh, he got a guard pass as well, Rocha, so that probably helped seal the deal. Um, but yeah, it was entertaining. Um, I think it will be a good uh, 
a good title match for for um, welterweight when it comes up. Cool. Um, the other one, the next one after that, well, that was the women's 155-pound title. Uh, that was Theon Davies from Wales versus um, Jazari Matuda. Um, it was um, it was interesting. Jazari's got the record in player the fastest submission ever. It was like 12 seconds or something when she jumped into an armbar and locked it in against Michelle Nicolini um, a year or two ago, a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, Fionn Davies, she got her black belt last year, and so she's been tearing people apart at that level. But, yeah, this was interesting because she took about three minutes to get uh, – I think she had a one-arm – I think she she fought off a one-arm guillotine from Matuda, um, and uh, there was an inside uh, heel-hook attempt. Um, and then she transitioned to the arm in triangle. Mm. So the kata, uh, oh man, I hate trying to say the Japanese words for it. The katagatami. There you go. Got it right. Yeah, the arm in triangle. So yeah, that's probably a breakthrough, breakthrough performance for Theon Davies. Mm-hmm. That's because um, Polaris is so high profile and Jazara Matuto is such a well-accomplished competitor. And she's taken out some of the top people, you know, at the Worlds and previous Polaris event. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, interesting to see what Fionn Davies goes from here. Well, that's that's it's a good fair cap for England, isn't it? So like you know, just like this, it, for English grappling, in particular, you know, yeah, Brazil is beaten by like England and <laughs> by submission from there. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So it's good. It's good that we're getting high-profile competitors. Outside of the US and outside of Brazil, like you know, Ross Nichols, he lost against Wagner Rocha by decision, but you know he's representing Britain, and the fact that he performs so well and he's got such an impressive, you know, butterfly and Z guard game, um, I don't know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's healthy, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, healthy for this grappling scene anyway on the international scene. Mm. So um, the main event was Javier Lovato Jr. Uh, against Jake Shields. So Shields is more experienced in MMA. Lovato Jr., he's got more experience in top-level grappling. Um, but Lovato, he's still he's pretty active in MMA. He's been pretty successful. I think he's on a pretty good winning streak in MMA at the moment. Um, yeah, but uh, at the end, it went to Lovato by decision. Shields, uh, he really had this grinding style he, he trains a lot with um, Danaher guys and the desk squad guys. So, he, you know, he's got good, good training partners and good coaching instruction and everything. But at the end, I think Lovato is just more experienced at pure grappling um, and he's bigger as well. Mm. So, um, yeah. But anyway, he grounded out and uh, Lovato, he pulled a really clean, um, he pulled guard and pulled a really clean sweep on him. Uh, he passed and got the mount a couple of times, um, and he showed. I think he showed a bit more variety as well. Some of his skills that he, you know, uh, uh, Shields was more going to hold on, going to grind it out, going to wrestle a bit. Whereas Lovato was, um, I'm going to pull guard, I'm going to sweep you, I'm going to get him out. So I guess it was more of a pure jujitsu style. Mm-hmm. So that got him to the decision anyway. Oh, nice. um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was Polaris. Um, yeah, it was worth watching. 
if it's on Fight Pass, it's pretty it's pretty well produced. Some of the camera work's a bit shaky, <laughs> but other than that, it's worth watching. Hmm? Um, yeah, number ten's coming up soon. Yeah, number ten. Huh? Uriah Faber versus Nicky Ryan is the the top card. That's it. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's, like mm. a, that's a rough yeah, night yeah. in the office for Uriah Faber. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon about that? Who have you got for that one? Nah, I reckon Ricky, Nicky Ryan by submission. Okay. Nicky Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I think so. Too. Like, you know, I, I, even, I don't think, like, maybe, like, for the first five minutes, like, uh, your own favour might stall it out, but, yeah, he doesn't really have a lot of submission in his games that Nicky Ryan would be worried about. That. Yeah. Favour's got a really, really tight guillotine, but um, it wouldn't be anything that um, Nicky Ryan hasn't seen before. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So, going from that now, um, so let's go, like, still in the UK, go over to Ireland from there. So, like, we had a, a major Muay Thai fight uh, event on from there, uh, which, like, Hugh saw a bit of on the last round. I only caught, like, probably the last two rounds, but I think, did you watch all of, like, uh, the Toby Smith versus Hamza fight there, Hugh? The first round was a little shaky for me, but I saw, like, all the two through five. Mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this yeah. <laughs> like it went like a uh, Siam fight news. Like, like, so this is a big fight. Toby Smith has harms on Goto. Like this is the WBD, which is probably the most credible international rankings champion versus number one. So it's like a legit world title fight, not for the WBC world title for some reason. Yeah. It's for the Lion yeah. fight world title, which doesn't do fucking anything. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, they bring Toby Smith to Ireland to fight a French guy in Hamza and Goto. And they don't make it watchable at all. Like, it was just so bizarre. Mm. Like, there's no way to catch this. See, I'm fighting news went live with ringside just on, like, a phone live stream. But then, like, while he was recording it, he's saying, like, as soon as this ends... I'm going to delete it so it's not available to replay because, like, I think it's getting recorded to be played on American TV, but later on. What? It's just so weird, and it seems really stupid to me that you spend the money to get an Australian guy out there, two Australian guys, actually, because Roy Wills is in the semi-main event, but not make any effort to, to let Australian people watch. Like, Toby's legit popular here. Like, there's not that many guys in Australia, Muay Thai, that have real pulling power like Toby does. Like, people want to watch Toby fight all over Australia, but they were not given the option. Like, I don't really get it at all. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, if, if it was a payable stream, like, I would have paid it, watched it. People would have bought it, yeah. 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 I'm sure a lot of people would have, like, probably enough people to cover the cost of Toby going to Ireland, but... Yeah. And, like, you know, like, what they say, like, going to play for America later. Who in America gives a shit about that much? You know? Or Muay Thai at all. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. But the match itself good was fighter. good. Yeah. Yeah. This was a good one. I, so Hamza ended up beating Toby by split decision. I thought the decision was pretty clear. Competitive for sure. Like it was a war, but a pretty clear decision. Um, This was an interesting fight to see because Hamza is just so tall. Mm. Like... I think he's about seven feet tall. Like he's just so, so, so tall. So tall. Like I don't know how he stays in that weight category. Yeah, I don't know. Like 
he must have hollow legs or something. Like when I saw the way in picture, like he's not like you know super thick. Like he's he's real just like thin and lean. But like there's just so much of that dude. <laughs> Bad fight. Unbelievable. And I think Toby like Toby's a really kind of like a, he he gets his hands going a lot. He likes the boxing in close, but. I think he's most well-known as a kind of a relentless knee fighter, a Muay Thai stylist. And I think in this fight, Hamza just demonstrated a body type and style combination that shut down Toby's knee game. Because you could see that once Toby got on the inside, Hamza sort of just played a shutdown game. He had some real nice, like he'd lean his head out and just elbow Toby as he was coming in. Um, switch knee was looking really good. He was push-kicking as anyone <laughs> that high chooks. He played push-kick Toby. Tick Toby from across the ring. Mm. But uh, as Kobe got to the inside, Hamza will just kind of score and shut down, like run him into uh, his own knees, like see just long knees, elbows, things like this. So Toby was doing work with his hands. He was just landing good hooks and body punches. Like uh, they were coming in really nicely, doing some damage, but just not being able to win these scoring exchanges because Hamza could just sit on the back foot and run Toby into his scores. And then he would kind of just sit backwards and fade out. I, I really liked um, Hamza's kind of exit angles in this fight were really nice, like where he would kind of just safely step off to the side to sort of just score and then just kind of worn off like Toby's exchange because you can't kind of try to sit on the inside and scrap with Toby. I think he's probably the best in the world at that. Mm. And he's just relentless. Like, you will not make Toby go away. Like, no amount of scoring technique is going to deter Toby. He's going to run after you for the whole fight. And that's exactly what he did. Like, he didn't stop coming forward the whole time. Landing well with his hands, but I think it was just really interesting to watch that. When that transition from hands to knee fighting is not there, to see Toby kind of get made uncomfortable, because it's been a very long time since we've even seen Toby have to think. Like, he's been pretty untouchable for the last few years. And this is a fight that a lot of people had wanted to see for this reason. It's just such a challenging match, a tall guy like that. So Toby pushed the pace relentlessly, but Harms are just very smart, very good back foot scoring. Just instead of trying to meet Toby in the middle and sort of push Toby back, just let Toby run on to a few scores. But it's a kind of fight that maybe Toby needed to reach for some techniques that he's not generally known for, so the kind of habit wasn't there. Because um, as we discussed before, Shane, is that Toby was like really walloping Hamza with a good leg kick. Mm, yes. But didn't really return to it with urgency. I didn't find that that... I didn't find that... Uh, like, because it's not really Toby's style. He's not a big low kicker. Mm. But he has a good low kick. When he would land it, because Hamza's legs are just so skinny, that, like, if you can just sort of sit down and just land a power leg kick, he'd buckle Hamza's leg, but he never went back for it like that was the plan. He just sort of went back to chasing with his hands and, and I guess, just to kind of press into those clinches. It was just that Hamza's posture and his, his early hand position and just quick scores in those clinches just sort of shut them down too quickly. He would just stick a knee up in between the two and then, and then peel out, and then Toby would kind of rinse and repeat, just like press forward with his hands, kind of. I guess the thought process for Toby is kind of like, once I can get in there, it's okay. So he just kept chasing, chasing, chasing. And when you play that sort of game, you run the risk of letting the points get too 
to the gap come too wide, which is sort of, I think, what happened. But it's hard because he would land well. Like You could hear even just on the live stream, the body punches were coming in really well. And any one of those shots was just a couple of millimetres difference could have been fight-ending shots. Hmm. Whereas either the ones that, that the hooks up to the top or the body rips and things like that, it was just that when Toby would commit to using his hands, it's just then Harms would just get that, that good pipe position in the clinch early, put the knee up and then sort of just fade out and then just try to pick something else to run Toby into, whether his knee step out to the side and then just Toby pivots to face and there's an elbow waiting for him, that kind of thing. But... Yeah, really good, uh, just high-paced fight, especially from Toby. The pace was ridiculous. But to see that composure from Harmzo and just that ability to just not worry too much about Toby, Toby's just general, like, madman style. Just, like, a lot of people just wilt under Toby's pressure. Mm. But Harmzo, his experience and just his class showed. He didn't. He was happy to sit on the back foot and just get those smart scores and just sort of try to pick things as Toby ran because it's very hard to sort of think and and score smart when someone like Toby is just chasing you like that. And Toby hits hard. Like, he's throwing with power, but arms are just composed, smooth, thinking, looking, and then just landing those smart scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like it was, it's like when you were seeing the fight from there, it's like, you know, this is like a classic Toby. That, like I said, like you know, probably more low kicks would do it. But it's like it's hard because like when you're pressing forward, it's just hard to throw low kicks while just kind of pressing forward that that deeply from there. Yeah. But like it's like you know you have to you have to sit on the mid range a bit more forward. But then again, like you know, he's in that taping range and that kneeing range again. It's it's hard to kind of make those adjustments on the fly. Yeah. But like um, but no, Hamza's like style himself was good. Like you know, it's like Trisha, like you know getting the good scores but also just the willingness to take a free because he was he was wearing some fucking walloping shots to, to get that knee on or like yeah to get that clinch position nice and sweet yeah he showed some toughness mm-hmm. which is good to see it's like you know, what's like you know, a rematch for these two would be absolutely great to see in terms of like who who changes what to adjust the yeah I would love to see this rematch like I was very interested in this fight but I think I'm more interested in the rematch mm. because I think for a guy like Toby, for all his experience, like he's still real young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like he's still making major changes on the fly. So I think to see Toby really pushed and in this case even beaten makes you think like, but so what wrinkle will he add to the game next? Like what's he really going to focus on here? And like to see like, are we going to see like another version of Toby now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully, like yeah, yeah, another cool. evol- evolution. Because we've watched this game change a bit over time. Like he's he's moved towards like really using like quite a tidy boxing game mm-hmm. to set his knee fighting and just see if like he wants to maybe try to uh, look at this fight with Hamza and think like okay let's go for the legs. Because I'd really like like Toby's maybe style right now doesn't suit being a low kicker in that he likes to press all the way into that clinching range and just smother. But his demeanour suits being a low kicker. Oh, yeah. It does. That relentlessness and that forward pressure and that toughness, mm-hmm. that's a, that's kind of the frame of mind you've got to be in to be a low kicker. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's that style, which was like, what, 50% more mat, 50% more cow? Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, it, it does work for his frame and his, like, his attitude as well, really. Yeah, and it's just like, 
maybe Toby could get his knee game working if he just put a couple more things out there in the early goings to make Harms a worry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that, like, maybe he just gave Harms up. I mean, like, Toby was still well early as well. He, like, picked Harms up over his head and threw him out of the ring in the first round. <laughs> Ridiculous dumb. Which is made a habit of doing the same thing to that um Ekub Banco that he fought on Rebellion, who was another seven foot tall dude. Yeah. <laughs> so he seems to just really get a kick out of just lifting seven foot tall dudes up in the air and dumping them on their heads. That's it. Well, I guess he's like he gets the leverage is a bit better because he's center, center of mass is much lower, so he can get basically on those hips and just like just um, lift him up in the air and just throw him yeah, on their heads. Yeah. Good sweep. <laughs> yeah, I think like maybe these moments would come about more if yeah, Toby just adds a couple more things to just damage with. A low kick would be a real good idea. Didn't middle kick a heap a heap either. I didn't really think like, I haven't got to watch this far from like a proper camera, so just kind of recording from that now deleted live stream. Yeah, but he was very hands happy. I would have liked to see him like just string more kicks together because I think just those as rhythm breakers for Hamza just to keep him that little bit more uncomfortable could have created the openings just for Toby to shoot through for the game that he usually plays. Mm. Yeah. But um, it's interesting moving forward because um, just been announced the other week by um, Tag Team Championships up in Queensland. Yeah, yep. Uh, that, I think that, yeah, that's the show, isn't it? Oh, it's Tag Team without Tag Team. Yeah, it's not our tag team fight, but that's a promotion. Yeah. I think is how it goes. That um, Toby's going to fight David Penampay, who's one of our favourites. Yeah. So, see how that goes. Yeah. That's a good, really good match. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that closer too. Yeah. But um, I think a uh, rematch between Toby and Hamza on the cards, maybe here in Australia, would be really cool. Yeah. It's a good rebellion fight. The very good Rebellion fight, and especially with Rebellion now sanctioned by the WBC. I think, like, you can kind of, if Hamza's the world champion right now, like, WBC world champion, you can almost think of that fight as being a retention of that title. It just didn't happen to be sanctioned. Because, you know, I had the toy lion fight belt on the line, so, like, both guys can just pretend that's, you know, it was a world title fight. It's just had a random belt on it. Yeah. I think this one, it won't affect the rankings. Toby will still be number one. Hamza will still be the champion. Really makes sense to run that one back and give Toby a crack at the green strap, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Why not? But let the next couple fights play out and um, see. Because, you know, Toby could very well lose his number one ranking to David. Maybe, yeah. If David comes through. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, David will be looking to play spoiler for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, um, you never know as well. And, like, uh, even David's got a tough fight ahead of him coming up in Destiny was it like him versus Jake Galoon David has just come up and said give me everyone because <laughs> like he's fighting like two of the best guys in the world in like immediate succession yeah do you do you reckon we'll ever see Toby Smith versus Jake Galoon <laughs> again <laughs> um that's just one of those fights that's like Khabib and Tony Ferguson <laughs> it's just like if it happens cool but just don't bank on it. <laughs> True. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So let's back away more time from more time from just a little bit. So we'll just go a little bit of boxing that happened on the weekend there. So like we had two people that undefeated. Um, so we had Mikey Garcia on one end, 
And we also had Errol Spence Jr. One on the other end from here. So Mikey Garcia has hopped up a few weight divisions to fight. Like, good on him for, like, basically taking up the challenge to, like, you know, keep fight, trying to find better opponents and going up the weight division as well. But pretty much when when you even just saw the weigh-in picture of this photo, it's like you go, oh, shit. Like, you know. Mikey, yeah, you can see how this was going to go down. Oh, yeah. Mikey Garcia just looked like the little little fat Mexican boy. And Errol Smith yeah. was like, you know, just lean, just like, you know, like athletic monster. Next one. And, and yeah, that's how the fight played out. Like, it went all the 12 rounds, which I'd probably say shouldn't have went all the 12 rounds. It should have got stopped by at least his corner at some point there. Yeah, I thought this one kind of fell to the corner yeah. at some stage, probably, like, around 10. Mm. It wasn't really getting any better. Yeah. Like, uh, Mikey had some flashes of brilliance, like, you know, in the second and third round. go, oh, this could probably be competitive. But Errol Spence just snowballed him. Just like, just too big, too quick. Timing is great. Great switch hitter as well, Errol Spence from there. Like, you know, yeah. not too far off like a Terrence Crawford, really. Like, he's he's really slick. Um, that's, a, that's a match that I can line. But like, um, but yeah, but if we just look That'd at... Be match. Yeah, if we just look at the final punch count there, Errol Spence landed 345 punches from there. <laughs> And um, Garcia landed 75 over a 12-round stint. Yeah, that's ugly. There's some rounds that he didn't even throw a punch, I'm pretty sure. Like, he was just spending the time trying to defend and getting hit at the same yeah. time. Um, when when watching this fight from there, like, you can see, like, oh, let's listen to the corner what they're saying. And, like, just goes, hey, film, good? Good? You want another one? You know what? He goes, and, like, Mikey Garcia goes, yeah, of course. And they go, okay, all right. Well, this is what you need to do. I go, no, no more. No mas. We're done here. Yeah, you don't ask him, especially like a Mexican fighter. Like you don't leave it up to them. Yeah, it's, that's why corners are allowed to stop fights because mm. fighters aren't going to up. Nah, definitely fighters like fighter will basically just run run themselves into the ground. So yep, you got to pull them back a bit <laughs> every now and again. But like, yeah, like I just didn't see the point. Was like you get a like, I guess like a moral victory that you know I lasted the rounds. But fuck, man, like that that was a type of fight like those last couple of rounds, like, uh, that took years off your life. Not, not, yeah. Not just that career, off your life as, as well. And really, like, um, yeah, it's like, time, like, Mikey, I see, yep, good that you went up and challenged yourself. Time, time to go back down again. Because, like, yeah. he, he's never been, like, an athlete either. Mikey, I see, like, fabulous boxer. Great. Technically awesome. And he still, he does have a, Quite a bit of power, like just from like you know catching people on timing and things like that. But then you just got someone like Errol Spence, who's like just a total package. He's an athlete. He's a great boxer. He's very technically savvy from there. And like you know, it's just it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> but but like as I said, all credit to Mikey Garcia though. But go down. We'll probably never see a Lomachenko fight because it's one like I know it's one of these fights where like I don't know how his confidence would feel after that because he seems like he talks a lot of shit. <laughs> Mikey Garcia, <Yeah. laughs> like he's very like confident, very high on himself, which you have to be. Like fuck, if you don't have confidence in yourself in this game, then man, don't don't get in the ring. But I'll be interested to see. He's, you know, he took a, a major beating. This is his first loss as a pro. See how he comes back from it. And and then like Errol Spence, like he's calling out Manny Pacquiao. I probably don't want to see that fight from Manny Pacquiao. To be honest, yeah, I had the same thought. Like it really seems like what the kind of promoters want to do as well, but 
I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. Like, it's good for Errol Spence, but, like, Manny Pacquiao, okay, nah, man, that's... You don't want that dog. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want that one. Um, like Bob said, Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Whew, that's lit. I can get behind that's that. That's it, yeah. That's a good match. All right, so that was just a little bit just on the boxing side of things. So um, just going to the last part from there, so like a, a big announcement that, you know, me and Hugh have landed a commentary gig on uh, Siam to Sydney because they're doing a, a live stream. It, it's geo-blocked though, so if you're like outside New South Wales and internationally, you'll be able to see it. Um, it was, was through, like, what's it called? Uh, through B, B Live Streaming from there. Yeah. So I just keep checking out for Siam Sydney for the, for the link they post on that. Um, but yeah, it's like... Uh, so I understand he's run by Andrew Parnham that we've had on the podcast before and he's also the owner of PTJ. And, but he like he sent us a message going, hey, do you want to do the commentary on it? And of course, we said yes. Yeah. We were very excited. We are very excited. Yeah, it's good from there. Um, so I, I think we're just basically covering the pro card as far as I know. I, I don't know if we're doing the amateur title fight as well, which is fun. I don't mind doing whatever before. But, um, I've never talked about the fights anyway. Yeah, so. definitely. So, like, you know, let's let's just talk for like. So, we'll talk about like just quick little recaps. Uh, well, quick little previews of like the amateur, the amateur, the MTA sixty-seven kilo title fight between Jordan Bucky of Sitsitong and Hugh Davies of SRG. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So, so funnily enough, about this card as well, like Hugh has either fought most of the dudes or or, or currently training with most of the guys on this card. <laughs> yeah, I'm well versed in a lot of the dudes on this, and even like there's a lot of like crossover. Like I've fought and trained with two of the dudes on the card. Yeah, <laughs> so it goes in this game. You get here long enough, you know. You're like, yeah, you get to get to train with them. <laughs> yeah, I've been around the block now. All right, so how we how how's Jordan Bucky versus Hugh Davies going to look on the day? You reckon? This is an interesting one because the two have actually fought before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fought last year on a day and I show just in a three rounder. Um I never didn't get to see that fight in full, but Jordan won it on points. But since that fight, um Hugh's been a bit more active and his form's been really good. Like he's been looking really strong. He's really developed into like a really nice um kick and clinch fighter. Um which is Going to be very interesting because that's Jordan's strong suit too. Is he's a very strong clincher. They share one common opponent in Nathan Rawls, and they both kind of did the same thing to him. Um, Hugh just sort of just mounted a clinch, pressure clinched him. Nathan couldn't couldn't unstick himself basically and got a five round win. Uh, Jordan Barkey just put on like a Moy Cow clinic on Nathan on a. Uh, uh, Earlier, I see I'm proceeding show and stopped him with knees. So we can kind of see that both boys like to come forward. Both boys like to clinch. So I think this really has the makings of like a good clinch wall. Mm-hmm. And we'll be interesting to see as well if maybe like you can see sometimes when two guys sort of share a strong suit, it cancels out. So if they want to sort of hang out on the outside, we'll see like sort of who has the advantage there. I think this is a very interesting fight, and this is a really worthwhile amateur title fight because mm. these are the, the, the top two guys at the 67-kilo mark in the amateurs right now. Yeah. That's, that's what the good thing about, like, a lot of MTA titles from there. Like, so there's no more Australian MTA titles anymore. 
which is fair because like basically a lot of this because like when you do an MTA title and especially the Australian one, you, you're most likely going to get two people from two different states, not just like you know yeah. you got people in the same state going ah oh, yeah close enough whatever no rankings here who's going to check up on it, so but like but like if you really look in Australia from there like the amateur the, the proceeds are very blurred in a lot of states yeah. That Looking at you, Queensland. Yeah, <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> but like, um, but we still got state titles, and like, really, these are the most prestigious titles in Australia for Muay Thai in terms of amateurs. Because yeah. like, really, because there is a ranking system, and there is a there is a protocol of like, you got to have so many fights, you got to have like somewhat of a winning record in your last five fights as well, and you got to be the top guys. You got to be like, you know, the people that work for MTA on the board. Like, I'm on the board of MTA from there. It's like. We know, like who's who, like who the top dogs in this one, and who deserves belts. It's not just because you just asked me for a like belt no one's there. putting the titles up just to sell tickets. Yeah, like it's if it's a worthwhile title, it goes up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, so they're very deserving titles. They're just not like throwaways. And like you know, and with people like uh, especially for my show and my fighters, I make them defend them as well, <laughs> so, which is good. Yeah. Because like you want to hold that strap and you want to like you know make it worthwhile. I'm always about like you know not to, you're not a champ until you defend it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that should be like an awesome match on the day. Okay, so yeah, let's... that's a really top match between two good up and comers. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. So going from there, let's go work into our pro card pit. So I'm just on the sign of the Sydney Facebook page. I'm just going whatever first. So we have uh, uh, Patrick Ribeiro uh, from SRG. Is it Patrick or Patrick here? Um, I don't know. It says Patrick here, so I'm going to... Patrick. probably find out. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, I thought it was Patrick, yeah. Yeah, Patrick Ribeiro, or if he's Brazilian, Patrick Ribeiro. <laughs> from there, from SRG, which is a good chance. He is, he is Brazilian. Um, he's been around for a while. And versus, yeah. like, Hugh's very first amateur loss to um, yeah. Ollie ha- uh, Oliver Hale of um, VT1. So what's what's the breakdown for this match? You reckon, Patrick? I have not seen a heap of, but what I've seen, I've liked. So last I saw of him, he was making a comeback against uh, Andrew Tung from PCJ Gym, uh, who's strong, Tungy. and knocked him cold, clocked him with an elbow. So that was that was a strong win. He could pick a shot. It was a nice elbow, like kind of like a rolled over the guy, knocked him out. But since then, he's gone away for so long that he's now making a comeback again. Mm. So, not a super active dude for whatever reason. Not sure exactly why that is. Whereas Oliver, actually, Oliver had a layoff himself, actually. He was off for a fair while between his pro debut and his recent run. But recently has been quite active. Coming off a uh, good win in Legion down in Tasmania a few weeks ago. Backing this one up, uh, that would have only been two weeks ago. So he's getting active again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of story of this fight is Ollie's a hard hitter. He's a good puncher. Um, he really likes to punch. It's probably 80% of his offense is, is his hands. He's quick, um, very aggressive, but he can let the points get away from him. Like he's lost a split call um, on the last round for Sydney. When I was watching, and like a big reason for that is he was marching forward, but his opponent was just kicking across his arms and sort of skirting back, skirting out of the way, and just those kicks sort of just ran the points up. And Ollie was kind of just 
thinking of going forward, so he wasn't really answering back or wasn't really checking or anything like that. He was just trying to land his hands. We'd run into those kicks. Mm-hmm. So um, an interesting fight, yeah, sort of. So kind of like a good crafty sort of like a veteran, I suppose, in Patrick, who hasn't been active versus a guy who's really pumping out fights at the moment and is aggressive. So I think it'll be a kind of Patrick may be looking to tie up and play that clinch and elbow game whereas Ollie will be looking to punch him on entry. So I think this fight could get going pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of kind of Ollie's path to success is in that middle range when Patrick tries to engage the clinches. That's where Ollie's best bet to land the hands up. But we'll be interesting to see because SRG are a very strong clinching gym. They're, um, you know, they're just some, such like a good, extensive... There's so much knowledge in that gym across all of the Thai trainers that they have. So they tend to produce... Very strong clinches, so we'll be interesting to see if um, Patrick can kind of deal with the punching and get on the inside. How far all his clinches come? Because I know he's been working on it. So um, yeah, that's kind of the story of that fight. Is kind of like a, I think it's going to be puncher versus sort of clinch and elbow fighter. Yeah, definitely. And we just hopefully as well, Ollie Hale doesn't get bashed up or cut because like he's got a he's got a date with the Fire in the Shire on uh, April twenty seventh. <laughs> yeah, so if all goes well for Ollie in this fight, his next appointment is going to be me next month. That's it. So I I'll be watching closely. I definitely reckon, like, you know, if Ollie Hale wins, you should just jump into the ring and just, like, just cut a promo there and just go, it's like, me, me and you next, son. <laughs> I thought that was implied. I thought that's why I was doing the commentary. That's it. <laughs> we need one of those big WWE belts, though. Yeah. Just sling it over your shoulder. I've got a few of them from yeah. Sanction I won't know. <laughs> Big shiny gold ones. Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple. <coughs> Alright, let's quickly get through this. So, uh next match I'm seeing here. Uh so we have Josh Fitzroy from uh Full Force Gym. Uh you may have seen him on Netflix on uh what's it, Fight World? Uh on the Fight lift World, yeah, on the, the lift, lift wave um, yeah, the lift wave episode from there. And celebrity. Yeah. And then we also have from Sitsutong uh Gilo. That is like this should be a good match for these boys. Um, come what weight is it? Is it like a seventy-five kilo or seventy-six kilo fight? Or maybe actually three, oh, seventy-three. Yeah, seventy-three kilo. That's yeah. right. It's good for me. So you've been training a lot with uh, with uh, Mister Low at the moment, the G Man. Yeah, key as of about kind of or especially uh, this year, but sort of we started out last year. He's actually really become one of my main training partners. We've done a lot of work together for this fight. Um. He's just fresh off the off of a uh, a few weeks stint in Bangkok at Muay Thai Academy. Uh, over the dingo, Jay Conkin, who's also a pretty regular training partner of Gee's. Um, I think the story... Well, this is a good match. This is a good match because both guys are in a pretty similar spot. Um, neither has done a whole lot of winning in a while. They're both on fair losing streaks. I'm not sure exactly on... Either's form. I know they've lost a couple in a couple in a row each. Gay also is coming. This is his second fight back after I think over two years off. So he, Gay, I I always recall from like long before I even knew him. I knew of him as a fighter. He was a guy that a lot of people were really impressed with in his early amateur career. He just had this beautiful high style, like this really nice kicking style. Well, because he just had these. I just remember the first time I saw him fight, just thinking, this guy's legs are so big. Like, he's got huge ass legs. 
but he has just this beautiful, like, just relaxed, smooth kicking style. But you did see that someone who really just wanted to come forward and brawl and scrap gave him some trouble, and you saw that in losses for kind of his sort of bad run started with a loss to uh, Sandon Gibbs O'Neill from Orange, who kind of just put on too much pressure for Gay. Kind of the same idea, like kind of a, like a, a scrappy hands first fighter. You know, Tanner the Turkish Tornado was also on the streak, and then he kind of took couple of years away and changed camps from PTJ to Sisuton, where he's trained under Aaron now, and um, came back and didn't get the win in his comeback fight against um, Ricardo, Ricardo Guglietti, make sure exactly how to say it, sorry, down in Victoria, but he looked good in that fight, like this was a good kind of back and forth fight against a guy who's really one of, you know, Victoria's standouts at the moment, so I think where Gee didn't get the win in his comeback fight, it was a big step up even after the time away and a strong showing enough, I think, to build some confidence in him and show him that, yeah, he still kind of belongs in there. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about Gee kind of maybe in the path, being troubled by sort of aggressive maybe brawlers, if you will, if we know anything about the full force Blacktown guys with Josh Fitzboyd, Roo Trains, they are not afraid of a scrap. Mm. They prefer it. So, they prefer it, yeah. That's just what they love to do. They love the fight. They really just love to blue. So Josh is going to get on the front foot. So it's just going to be that kind of almost like the fighter versus technician match. Josh is going to be trying to get on that front foot, push Guy back, make Guy uncomfortable, and just kind of make it a scrap. It's going to be up to Guy to just sort of pick his spots, find that, get that, that rhythm going in that nice, beautiful kicking style that he has and just keep himself up on the points without letting Josh just kind of smother his way through and kind of just not let Josh push forward too much and be the aggressor too much. Let Josh come forward, but run him into scores and try to just, you know, be the smarter, more technical fighter. So very interesting match to watch against two guys who are really looking to right the ship and prove that, you know, this is a big show, a big opportunity. So both guys are on a bit of a losing streak and both, Connor, I think both guys are promising young guys, good, good, strong fighters, just sort of on down runs right now. So it's going to be, this is one of those ones where you watch and see who turns it around. I said, who's going to break the streak? <laughs> who's going to break the streak? Because a couple losses each, but neither is a bad fighter, and both are going to, I'm sure, going to go on to like swing it around because they're both. Good, strong guys, good, well-known guys on the scene. But it's one person's turn to flip the street, get back in the win column. So this is an exciting one to watch. Yeah, it's like you said, like, you know, they, they might be on losses. But it's it really doesn't really, uh, you know, um, like, it, they're better fighters than what they probably their records say they are. Yeah, both are better fighters than their records. They're both good, strong stylists, mm-hmm. just on bad runs at the moment. And all against good opposition too. Like neither of these guys has been fighting bad guys. Like Josh has been bouncing over to Myanmar to fight Lithway, and they've been taking big tests. Big tests. Fair enough. Cool. Okay, so let's go from there. So let's go on to the ladies' match now. So we got someone in Claire Baxter, which I think I'm looking up is training at Eight Blade Warriors with Superboy. I, I think. Okay. Yeah, and then we got Zoe Putarak. From um from Phoenix Gym, our friends at Phoenix and Canberra from there. So this is a good match where like you know Zoe's like a just a new just hasn't turned pro for very long. Um, 
but she's a very strong talent from there. And like Claire Baxter, yeah. you know, it's like you know, it's like getting towards like one of the the women's pioneers. Like she's been around for a while from that one, but still, still a very good, strong fighter. But she's she's really accomplished a lot in her career so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's this fight going to be looking at from your side, mate? This is actually like maybe this is kind of the 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 theme of it. I think like Zoe is just like young, super hungry, and I think if ever there's a fighter that really—I mean, there is a lot, a few of them—but a fighter that really embodies the Phoenix style, it's Zoe. Like she is Phoenix. Like she's just forward. She's aggressive. She's relentless. Like she just never stops. She's coming off a big win. Over Leone Mack, she recently dethroned another um, Australian female Muay Thai pioneer, Leone Mack, took her WMC title and then kind of cemented her places. Zoe's been well known as an up-and-comer for a while, but maybe not an up-and-comer anymore. Maybe she's here, is kind of what that means. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just a strong, aggressive girl that just gets in your face and you have to deal with it or you're in for a bad few rounds. Claire Baxter, I haven't seen a heap of her recently. Um, I know she does a lot for um, female Muay Thai, even on the sidelines. Like she's really uh, involved in trying to kind of spread Muay Thai through writings and things like that. Back in the ring, very technical, very smart style. I think her game's going to be trying to shut Zoe down, kind of try to keep on the end of the team, kind of trying to. You can't let Zoe, or I mean, like where Zoe succeeds is when she really just gets into a rhythm and she starts the steamroll. And I really saw that in her fight with Leonis because she once she kind of starts to get on a roll and like she has such a good she's been at Phoenix for so long I know she can just kind of really feed off of what her corner's giving her she's very creative when she gets on the on a roll so I think the game that Claire will probably try to play with Zoe is like a shutdown game it's not letting her kind of roll forward and not letting her get creative basically because she's she's got a very violent kind of creativity mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be like, can Claire basically just keep Zoe off and like keep her at bay and score some points without just letting Zoe kind of just start to just wreak havoc, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's like, well, Claire's got, got a very clinch-heavy style, I think, from when I seen her fight. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's like, you know, if you've got someone that's very aggressive with the strikes and that one, you just basically got to start tying up and just get those scores scores going. Yeah. But, yeah, tying Zoe up is be a smart plan. I'll be interested to see what the game plan is for this one. Mm, that's it. Like, you know, you got to expect it to be pretty rough in the first couple of rounds because, like, yeah, when people are a bit fresh from that one, it's, it's just hard to kind of really lock them down. But it is. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a five-round kind of game, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that should be a pretty good match. Um, so now we're getting to the, the meat of the card. So from here, so, like, same thing. So we have Cruz Briggs from... Eight Limbs Bondi versus Billy Coulter from, uh, was it Sunshine Coast uh, Thai Boxing? Yeah, yeah, Sunshine Coast Thai Boxing, yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. So, like, interesting fight. Another person that Hugh has fought before in Cruz Briggs. That one? Yes. <laughs> from there. Um, and, like, yeah, I think it's your second loss ever. So, that was all right. From that one, very close fight, though. That was very, it was a very close fight. That was a good fight. It was a good that fight. That was a good fight. Mm. But um, how do you reckon this one going down, mate? I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'll be watching it very closely going, yep, <laughs> take some notes here. <laughs> yeah, I'll be having a look. I'll be having a look. Um, these are two guys I really like, though. I really like both of their styles. Um, 
both actually have a strong international wins. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy's been to world championships a couple of times, I think. He went over with our boy Luke. And, and put on strong stats in probably the hardest division in the whole world championships, 67 kilo. Um, Cruz, on the other hand, has been is not as experienced a professional. Uh, oh, yeah, as Billy only went pro last year, but has fought a fair few times in Thailand and done long training stints out of um, Sisong Pinong Phuket, which is a strong camp. But also... Uh, towards the end of last year, went over to New Zealand, and in only his second or third pro fight fought Sam the Shank Hill, who's a little bit better known for um, his his work with K1 mm-hmm. and King of the Ring, which are kickboxing promotions. But uh, a Muay Thai fighter at base, and a big name, like a really big experienced name to be fighting that early in pro career, and Cruz just absolutely wrecked shop in that fight. He destroyed Sam Hill. Yeah, yeah he sure did. Damn. Yeah, just gave him too much output, was just really good, smooth combination fighting and just put up a work rate that Sam Hill couldn't deal with. So I think that kind of... Well, Cruz's sort of campaign in his early pro career sort of has gotten a lot of people quite excited. Um, trains in a good uh, out of a good school in eight limbs and has also been working with uh, Jimmy Stimponchai for this camp. The guy um, had a big KO win on Rebellion last week, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's picking up some tricks there. So this is a fight between two very aggressive fighters. Like this one's, there's not going to be any feeling out in this fight, I don't think. No. Cruz is a smooth technician, but he still likes to do his work on the front foot. And Billy, what I've seen, really just likes to scrap. He's very elbow happy. He's got a very good low kick. He um, stopped New South Wales WMC champion Jamie Allen with low kicks last year, which is a big win. Mm-hmm. And interestingly... Both guys in the last kind of half year for Palantrop, PTJ. Um, Cruz stepped up on late notice and lost a pretty competitive decision to Palantrop on an earlier CM to Sydney. Billy fought Palantrop on a recent coastal warfare and beat him. Big so that's kind of an interesting sort of storyline into the point, I suppose, is they have that common opponent with, with uh, different results. I don't know exactly if I have a. I couldn't like you couldn't make a safe pick in this fight. This is just going to be a very aggressive kind of maybe like a who's going to take the first backward step kind of fight. I know Cruz's style is getting increasingly tricky. He likes to switch stances a lot. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see kind of what openings he finds from that. But the other side of the coin is will be interesting to see what openings maybe get created for Billy off of that. Mm. So, yeah, this is real fighter than I candidate, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this one's this one has action fight all over it. <laughs> yeah, just strong banger. I know both boys have a really good low kick, so it'll be interesting to see if we get into like a bit of a leg kick battle. Mm-hmm. Or someone like, leg goes first. Or like, yeah, or someone picks it off that they expect a low kick, they just they use it for the timing something else. So, yeah, this one's just going to be an awesome fight, too. They're, they're smooth technicians, but they're strong and they're very aggressive. Like they don't like to wait; they like to get to work. Mm-hmm. We'll be interesting to see kind of who takes a backward step, but also like if maybe someone tries to just flip the script. Yeah, that's right. Not be as aggressive, just kind of play the counter game. So, really, really looking forward to this one. Definitely. All right, and let's just go to the main event now. So we've got Simbayak versus uh, from PTJ Gym 
versus Jordan Godfison from was it Kalsok, uh Kalsok? Muay Thai gym. Yeah, good. And like, um, if you if you've known Simpayak, you probably probably most known for his uh, his eight man tournament run at uh, Rebellion. I think it was last year. It was only last year, wasn't it? Or was it two thousand seventeen? Two thousand eight. Twenty seventeen. Seventeen. Time flies, man. Time flies. <laughs> but yeah, you know that that stellar performance there. And Gustafsson, um, like, just like you know, just known for like just stepping up to these these hard ties. You know, just yeah, Gustafsson has fought like. He'll, like, we know it's kind of a well-known thing among like Muay Thai promoters around Australia that like Perth boys don't say no to fights. Mm. No, nope. like, they just don't. They'll fight anyone. And that's Godfrey's kind of whole career. Like he's fought Samapet. He's fought uh, Tom Sitiotong a couple of times. Or Tom Winner Muay Thai. I think he goes by now. Yeah. a couple of times. He has never ever been afraid of a hard fight. So I think that's all going to be very useful experience coming to this fight, but Simpayak is a master technician. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to see kind of like what game Jordan tries to bring into this fight to, uh, I guess kind of what you're doing is trying to show Simpayak something he hasn't seen before, but Simpayak is a very experienced guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like what kind of game plan do you play like the Thai style like you know do you take it take the first rounds like pretty easy or it's like you know because you're fighting Australia and things like that like you know you gotta you gotta win all the rounds well you gotta you basically yeah. have to win the majority of the rounds going in but like it's like it, it's a hard ask you know it's like Simpo you know this has been known to be you know, to adjust and like also like you know when he had to like he has to actually fight he will fight and does so very very nicely yeah, and uh, I think, like, as well, when you're fighting a tie, if you choose to spend the first two rounds kind of just taking it slow and getting a read, you're kind of playing into your opponent's hand because you're giving them the chance to get a read. I think, uh, like, it's, you know, everyone has different philosophies on how to approach fighting ties. Some people say just put your foot on the gas straight away. Mm. Don't play the traditional five-round game. And maybe Godfrey will do that. I find this one interesting because I recall in his last fight with Tom, he kind of started a little bit slow and the points gap sort of got a little bit wide but came on very strong towards the end. Tired Tom out gave him a lot of trouble in the back end of that fight. So with that in his memory, I'll be interested to see if there's, okay, once I get going, I score well. I've just got to do it early and not let those points get away. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> um, how would you describe like Simpark's actual style? I guess tricky, evasive. Like he picks a really nice counter. He will sit himself back on the ropes and kind of catch you coming in. Throws his hands very well. I think maybe that's an underrated element of his game. But he just has, like, I guess the way you describe his style is pretty artistic. Like, it's a really beautiful style of Muay Thai. Yeah, definitely. And uh, how would you describe Jordan's style? I would describe Jordan's style as intelligent pressure, I think is the best way to put it. He marches forward mostly all the time, but it's not like he's kind of spamming forward or just kind of charging forward with flurries. He's just pacing, pacing, and picking shots and using his eye as he goes. 
And he's got like a, some really nice like, little disruptors. Like his rear leg push kick is very good. And he just he's very rangy for the class. Like for a 63.5 kilo fighter, he's very tall and long. He knows how to use that. Like he uses really nice kind of rangy checking hooks, push kicks, these kinds of things. Long straight punches and middle kicks to kind of keep opponents at bay. It's like, um, I think this is like a really good match to make. And it's like, you know, basically like Simon Sydney uh, from there is like the, the premier Muay Thai show in New South Wales. It's like... 100% yeah. Yeah, which is good. Like, you know, you need that. Like, you know, Victoria has like has Rebellion from there and like a couple of other states that's like the catch through, like, you know, but like obviously Rebellion's always the gold stand in like basically the Southern Hemisphere. That and like, you know, and like Simon Sydney's kind of like, Building on that pretty good. Like, yeah, definitely. And it's it's been really cool to watch the Army Sydney grow. Yeah. Like it's been a real kind of, it's been getting steadily bigger as, as the show progresses on, which is really cool to see. It, it shows that the show's making the right moves, not burning out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, and like, and like that thing said, like really looking forward to commentating it. Like, yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool thing to be doing, to be a part of it in there. Yeah, I'm excited. I've always wanted to do this, so hopefully I don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how Thank you, Chris. <laughs> All right, I think that'll do us for tonight, guys, from there. All right, so just remember, always go people to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all other podcast platforms. Follow us on Instagram. Everybody find us. Yeah, that's it. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Enter the Double Dragon. Follow us on Twitter at, at double underscore enter. Or enter the double dragon, put it in, put in your search box in there. But other than that, thanks a lot, guys. We'll catch you later. Peace. 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 Peace.